Welcome back to season three of About This Writing Thing, a podcast about living the writing life. I am your host, novelist, and MFA, Sayward B. Eller, and I am super excited to have another fantastic writer on the show today talking about their writing life. But first, I want to let you know that because these episodes are pre-recorded and they are recorded so far in advance, you will now find updates about my writing journey at the end of every episode. So stay tuned after the interview to see what I have going on. Without further ado, I am very excited to welcome to the show indie romance author Megan Musgrove. She is the author of Taming Her Stallion, Lord of the Manor, Baby is Cold Outside, and several other titles. Hey, Megan! (laughs) Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show. I'm super excited. I'm excited. This is my first podcast. Fantastic. For listeners who don't know Megan does live across the pond so if you're listening in the United States she is actually in England is that right that's right yes it's evening here as we record this so we've got time difference just right perfect (laughs) perfect now I did list uh, some of your publications in my intro so I think the most recent release for you was Lord of the Manor is that right yes as a full book um, did manage to get a novella out in February, so like a special Valentine's one, which was fun to do because I've never written a novella before. But yes, Lord of the Manor is the last full full novel. Okay, and you do have another novel that's coming out soon. Is that right? Is it coming out in 2023? No, it's scheduled for the 1st of November. Um, it's called The Knockout, which currently going through edits for that, which is just fun, but also not fun going back and reading your own work so many times. (laughs) I know what you mean. I actually did the critique for the epilogue today, so you'll see my notes on your epilogue. Um, There's not very many as usual. (laughs) But you talked, uh, you said you brought up the revision process. I am a revision writer, so I actually don't mind the revision process very much because that's where my stories really get to where they're supposed to be. I mean, I guess that's the thing for every revision, but still like my first draft is just the story. And then my, my consecutive drafts after that is where things really start to come together. And that's where I really start to find the little golden bits. So can you talk a little bit about your revision process? How, how do you feel when you go into it? How do you feel while you're doing it? Yeah, sure. So when I finish um, a book, I tend to put it away. Um, I print it and then leave it. I've read once someone, someone recommended like leaving it in a drawer proof, like as if you're leaving some dough in there. Um, which I really like. So, yeah, I'll print it and it's done. Um, my main issue comes from the fact that I think I'm more of a perfectionist in the fact that when I'm doing my first draft, I get so focused on trying to get, like, all those golden nuggets in first where I'm like, no, I need to need to just get it written and then deal with it. And I have got better with that over the years. Um, yeah, it's very much a case of I will leave it for a couple of months and then come back to it with a fresh fresh brain and work through and really pad out the story, find any additional bits and pieces that need to go in. Um, 
tabled the hads out and very bad with that but that's something that amazingly came up from the critiquing group um which has been incredible just so many small bits and pieces that came up i think have made me a better writer and i'm more aware of when i get to my editing stage and going through the drafts and like oh no i can add this and oh i need to get this out and yeah it's a process but yeah, it has to be done. <laughs> exactly. And I do the same thing. I put, I try to put it away for at least two to four weeks and then, you know, use that time to just relax or work on something else. And then you come back and, and it's like, you're looking at it, not for the first time, especially if it's like a third or fourth draft, but yeah. you're a little bit refreshed. So yes. Now, um, we are in a critique group together, and you mentioned critique group. I always tell writers, get yourself critique partners because that is going to be one of the most important things that you can do as a writer. As you mentioned, like for me, it, it helped me find my voice and my style when I joined a critique group, and you said that it helped you joining critique groups, it's helped you kind of go through and figure out some of your nuances. Can you talk a little bit more about critique groups and, and how you feel like they're valuable for writers? Oh, definitely. Yeah, the critique group, which I stumbled across completely by accident. Um, one of the ladies just asking on Instagram um, if anyone was interested. And at that point, I think I was a little bit behind my writing. I had done in-person writers groups before. Um, but just having, first of all, that accountability and that support is invaluable. Like, just having a group because it's all well and good like having your friends around you and they'll be like oh that's lovely you wrote a book but they don't get it like they're supportive in the way they can be but there's just people understand the whole process you can start the group just having like a moan about how bad the week's going you're like i just can't get anything out of my brain at the moment and just talking about it was like oh i had to do this or this didn't work and or I've had to get caught up in like the social media promotion as well and just all the bits that come with being a writer um people understand and the fact that we're doing something submitting on a regular basis is like great well I have to get something written because I need to get it over to the group and then just learning from everybody else I think the work I've done since joining the complete group is just a whole level above itself I mean I think I have got better every time anyway when I revisited my first novel which I did when I was quite young and I was like oh it was fine for the time but just more writing and then being in that environment that you ladies provide was just really upped it I agree 100%. Like there's nothing like a critique group because everybody knows what you're going through as a writer. And we all experience similar ups and downs. Even if we are on different publishing paths, it still seems like the ups and downs are very much the same. There's just not as much waiting when you are indie publishing as there is when you're traditionally publishing. <laughs> oh, no, we had that conversation a few weeks ago on the on one of our Zoom calls, and I think it just because one of the other ladies had had a, a moment we're like, no, you just get out and vent. Because like, I didn't know that much about the process, that side of it from you, because I am too impatient and I think of the beginning of when I started doing this I was very naive in the fact like oh I've written this book and I'll just send it off and someone will publish it and that doesn't happen no. <laughs> um, 
and I think I maybe sent out like two or three query letters and this is just when self-publishing was starting to become a thing I was like oh well, I've written it now I'm just going to do it myself and that's how I've done it ever since because I can then work to my own time on my own schedule and it was really interesting to hear your side of it because I remember we were in a in a meeting we're like oh I've got an agent and it was like so exciting at the time and then just hearing the process and think oh it's it's not I mean none of it is as easy as you think it can be at the beginning of the day everyone's like oh I could write a book well it's all well and good but could like sitting down and writing a book is quite hard in itself Mm -hmm. but then everything after that I think is so much harder as well it doesn't matter which route you're taking exactly I think that when people say I'm just I'm gonna write a book I'm gonna be a writer they don't it's they really don't know everything that comes along with it. It's it's not easy to sit down and write a book. So if you do complete a book, that's fantastic. But then you have to think about, you know, editing and re- revising. And you have to think about marketing. And you have to think about all of these different things. And I'm, pu- I'm self-publishing two books next year. And I am getting dipping back into the indie waters and I am panicking because you have to figure out distribution and you have to, you have to do your covers and you have to make sure everything lines up and then interior formatting. And it's just, it's a lot. (laughs) It is a lot. And yeah, I think the cover is kind of one of the most stressful as well because it's all like, don't judge a book by its cover, but but we do look really good. And then people won't buy it. Otherwise I had a review on my historical romance that so it was a really lovely review but at the end they said oh I almost didn't buy this because of the cover and the cover I had an artist friend of mine put it together and it looked great but it didn't look kind of I think I cut corners a little bit while I was doing that one and it's now in a different cover I've got like a, I got a professional one done so it looks like that typical historical romance with like the corset and a bit more flesh on show and I was like mm-hmm. oh I get it because people will see this cover and be like yeah this is what I'm after exactly yeah I, the cover is I I cannot tell you how many times I look at I mean I absolutely do if I am interested in the cover then that's going to make me read the back of the book and and if I'm not if I look at the cover and it doesn't look like the author put the time into it to yeah. <laughs> either make the absolute best cover or get someone to make the absolute best cover then I won't read it and that's it's it's maybe a character flaw of mine I don't know but <laughs> I agree I feel kind of snobby doing it because it is extra time and resources that people may not have, but you sometimes look at a cover and if it's not great, you think, well, if they've put the time into the cover, have they put the time into the book? And yes. yeah, it is, it's not great, but we do judge books by their covers. Absolutely. So get good covers. <laughs> now I say now a lot. I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm trying to not do that. <laughs> <laughs> How do you, uh, I think sometimes with, like with traditional, with traditional publishing, we do a lot of waiting, but with self-publishing there, there's a whole different type of kind of ups and downs for indie authors, especially once the book comes out, because here you've had this really big buildup. And if, you know, if you put your time into marketing and stuff, you've had this really huge buildup. And then sometimes it well, a lot of times that buildup isn't enough, and your sales might not be as strong starting out as 
you had hoped. How do you, have you dealt with that? And if you have, how have you dealt with that? It's odd because I think, because for me, writing and self-publishing is a creative outlet and I have like the day job that pays the bills. So it's always really nice once I get a book out. I think maybe this isn't meant to come across as a brag, but because I've had a few out and I've gone through the process, I don't know whether I'm desensitized to it slightly, like there's less disappointment. I'm just like, no, great, I've got it out to the world. Um, I will now work on the next one. But I think, again, where the critique group has been amazing, just like insider knowledge from other other people, it's just one of the things that we were talking about recently was the lady that has the series and just the rule that you had to try and get the book out like every six months to keep the momentum up. So I think also it's a case of once you put the book out there and then you have to do your marketing, your basic social media manager, after you've done all your editing, <laughs> every, yes. every aspect of it, Yes. that you suddenly like, oh, well, I need to go work on the next one now or I'm still doing this. And there doesn't seem to be time to enjoy it anyway. Um, but saying that, I don't know what it was, something about last month, one of the books that I had that I released a few years ago suddenly just got this spike so that's really exciting like I don't know if like the Kindle Unlimited pages have gone something's gone with that but that was just I was getting like three or four people a day reading on Kindle Unlimited and like odd copies being bought here and there and it's very odd because you think what's been out for a while and then all of a sudden it just picked up the traction with it again so I don't know, you can be disappointed to start with, but then a bit further down the line, you might find it's timed right. Mm-hmm. I think the important thing I try to go with is like, well, it's done and my work is out there and it will stay out there for as long as I want it to. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't mean that it can't get people, people can consistently read. It doesn't have to be a big hit within the first week. It's like the marathon, not spring, right. I guess. And with traditional publishing, there's this pressure that it needs to be a big hit immediately or, you know, you might lose your second option or you might not get another option at all. So that's one of the differences between the two types of publishing. And um, I have actually heard other self-pubbed authors say that it takes seven books at least to start really being noticed. So, I mean, how many books do you have out now? Uh, so, if we include the novella in it, there's nine on ebook, and then seven that you can buy in print of those as well. So, I guess that, yeah, it falls in line. I think, again, we've discussed it before in the meetings, that if you can have, like, a back catalogue, mm-hmm. if people read one, they might go read another one, which is great. Um, the series one has always been a big thing we've all talked about, that if you can get a series going, that seems to be to be interesting because people want to read the entire series. Yeah, series are really big. I'm not a series reader. I prefer standalones, but it it seems like everywhere you go, everyone is talking about their favorite series. And and I always feel like the odd person out because I don't really like series. (laughs) I like the series because I I read a lot of historical romance because I love that genre anyway. But just those ones where... it's a series but you can dip in and out of them and like I guess the Bridgerton books were like that in the Mm -hmm. fact that each one kind of focuses on their own character so if you want to read the series you can if you want to like start book three you know where you're going you don't have to just sit and I think the last time I really 
was into a series was like the Harry Potter books. Mm-hmm. And like that's a big emotional commitment. <laughs> and I was there at midnight for the last book, but I was like, I don't think I've had anything like that since. It's just like, no, I will just read what I want when I want, dick in and out of it. You write both historical and contemporary romance. I do. So do you prefer, like you just said that you love reading historical romance. Is that your preferred reading genre or do you read both of the genres pretty consistently? I read both. Um, It's really, I find it really interesting because at the end of the day, you're kind of telling a very, it's the same kind of story trope of the fact that you've got similar kind of scenes and then it has the happy ever after, which from a book I love because sometimes the world is a bit terrible outside. You just want to know that you're going to read a book that ends well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I like this genre. It's like, well, people might think it's a bit straightforward and you're not getting much out of it. It's like, no, no, I just like this happy ending. <laughs> um, but I find it the same to read and to write so interesting because like, the one I'm working on at the moment, The Knockout, that's contemporary. So you can basically do anything there's like no holes barred whereas the historical is always interesting because you've got the social constraints at the time and it's more of a slow burn you're like oh could this happen and like we can't really get them in a room together because it wouldn't have been allowed be like you need to find a fun way to get around that and it's just interesting and like you need to create this kind of intimacy while it may not have been allowed just yeah it's it's harder to write, I think, because you can't just go yeah. straight in and get away with anything. But I find it quite fun trying to get around that. I agree. Uh, and <laughs> I don't write in the romance genre, but I think it's the same way. If you're writing historical, there are rules that you have to go by. Right. And if you're writing in a particular period of history, there are societal norms that you have to follow, that your character's have to follow and adhere to so exactly like the amount of times your characters are probably wearing gloves because they wouldn't have left the house not wearing gloves or yeah just or a so bonnet many, <laughs> exactly yes so many, my pinterest account just has very like there's a whole board that's just like regency clothing just the layers and everything and the occasional like outfit like right what do I want her to wear I was like oh that's cute and I to get inspiration it's like well essentially it's a lot of white dresses but try and jazz it up a little bit what is your favorite trope do you have a favorite trope and if you do what is your favorite trope uh, I, don't, I, I don't know I thought oh enemies to love is good because there's just so much intensity from the beginning um that's a good one yeah i think that's probably because it just can start off at 100 and continue at 100 miles an hour <laughs> it just changes what the intensity is i like that one um the second chance is always really nice well that's a very different mm-hmm. vibe but it's just more of a sweep like oh they have this and now they're getting a chance to do it again. Just, yeah, I think I think definitely with contem- contemporary because the fact there's like no rules, you get away with anything. Yeah, anyway, so that was great. <laughs> I am partial to fake dating. It's oh, nice. it has been one of my favorites since the late '80s when Patrick Dempsey pretended to go out with with Cindy no, Mancini. Gonna, <laughs> but uh, buy a, no, he was going to buy a telescope. Yes. 
he gave the money to her to dry clean a suit. Yes. Yeah, to buy a new uh, suede suit because she ruined her mom's. Yes. I love it. Can't buy me love. And fake dating has been one of my favorite tropes ever since. Nice. Um, we're almost out of time, but I, w- I just have a couple more questions. What What is your best advice for writers who want to pursue self-publishing? Because you've been doing this for a while. So what is what do you think are some of the best practices? What's What's the best advice that you would, if, if you had a, a new writer that was asking you, what should I do? Like, what is the best thing for me to do? with self-publishing? I think if you can, don't cut corners. Um, and when I started doing the self-publishing, it was when the Kindle was like, you couldn't do paperbacks at the time and then that became something else. It was very straightforward. There's, it's still an easy process in a way, but there's little bits to learn um, to make your book look better. And there's way it's so much better than when it started. It can look more professional now as well. So I think definitely really going to the editing the first time I did it as well. It's like, I've read a book and I like looked over it maybe once or twice, got someone else to read it. I was like, this is fine. And then eventually I went back and tidied it up because I was just eager to get it out. So yeah, don't cut corners that. Take your time. Don't rush it, like the editing and everything. Get all that right. Make sure you know how you're uploading. Learn the ins and outs. There's so many YouTube video tutorials now. Yes. Um, and again, the book cover, don't cut the corners with that. I mean, it's easier said than done depending on what your budget is. But I think the more you can do to kind of make it like a real book, because they're all real books, <laughs> but, uh, like more of a traditionally published book, because the mm-hmm. options are there, like the fact you can add the headers in on the paperback and you definitely get that copy once you've uploaded it to work through and make sure the pages are aligned and all those, all the nitty gritty bits. So I mean, just don't cut corners it's still faster by the sounds of it doing it this way than it is yes. publishing. um so yeah don't make the same head at the beginning or just like oh i've done this and just upload it and that's mm-hmm. it when it needed more time i think yes and i think that is fantastic advice <laughs> where can um where can we find you where can our listeners find or my listeners not out the people where can they find you what is your website and where where do you frequent on social media what's your favorite social media so i'm most on instagram um uh, at meg m-e-g underscore muzz m-u-z um short version of my last name um yeah i really quite like promoting my books on there um i do a lot of flat lays and just try to make them look nice <laughs> but that's how i link with other writers and like the bookstagram community and I just I like the images I'm afraid I I've still resisted the whole TikTok thing despite being I've been told in the critique group like this is where you need to go um so mostly Instagram and then my website is meganmusgrove.com perfect and I will also put that in the in the box below on both YouTube and uh, in the podcast description. So, um, oh, so that way people can find you and they can buy your books or, you know, just read them on Kindle Unlimited or whatever. <laughs> I do regularly run the free promos when the days reset, just it gets to a point I'm like, oh, it's going to be a nice weekend. I'll just put some eBooks up as a free promo. So if you follow me on Instagram, you'll 
know when I put those up. Fantastic. Okay, well, um, we are out of time. I just want to say thank you so much for talking to me today and for putting up with my um, sometimes rambling. <laughs> oh, no, it was really good fun. I forgot we were just recording for a while this is nice. <laughs> very good <laughs> well thank you very much megan i will see you at our next critique meeting and thanks, i hope you have a great weekend thanks you too take care thanks. you too bye bye i hope you enjoyed my conversation with megan musgrove as i stated before i will put her website and social media handles below in case you want to check out her work and see what she gets up to when she's not writing. As for me, I am just going along with my writing. I'm trying to complete the contemporary novel that my agent is waiting on. I am about to begin revisions on the historical and I am still working on the novella. I do want to announce that in case you don't follow about this writing thing or my personal Instagram, I want to let you know that about this writing thing is releasing a newsletter in February of 2023. It is a monthly newsletter that will contain writing advice, publishing advice, query advice, writing life advice, and it's not just from me, it's from guest columnists as well. So I hope that you will go to my website and sign up for that newsletter. I don't really expect to ever be an authority in the publishing game, but I hope that I can become a trusted resource for you when you're looking for kind of a pick-me-up when the writing life gets you down or when you're looking for helpful advice. So if you haven't signed up or if you had no idea about the newsletter launching, you can go to my website. The link will be below. If you're a writer who's interested in seeing your article in the newsletter, it is a paying market. You can find those submission guidelines on my website. Just follow that link below for the podcast. That is all that I have for you this week. I thank you for stopping by. I thank you for your support. And you will be hearing from me in two weeks. Until then, take care and, of course, keep writing.